everybody? Welcome back to Mile High Podcast, episode 94. And today we're doing another true crime episode. Oh, yeah. We are talking about a, a case that we actually mentioned in the intro topics, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, we did. We talked about it briefly. There was a little bit of news around it, but this is the case of Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a crazy, yes. crazy case. If you've never heard of this before. Yes. Get ready because this. I is think just, a lot of people have wow. heard about it, but there's been so many more details that have come out since this originally really was popular. Yeah, and the controversy surrounding it is is real. Yes, there will I mean, be mixed opinions in the description. I mean, in the, in the comments. How long have I been on YouTube? I'm still being like in the <laughs> description. In the show, <laughs> leave notes. your comments in the description. It's basically the same thing. Show notes, description, yes. same thing. Okay. But, Let's, yeah, we got a lot to cover today. So we'd like to first thank our sponsors for today's episode. Calm, Upstart, Stamps.com, and Ritual. Yes. Thank you for the continued support. Also, be sure to check out MileHigher.com. We dropped new merch not too long ago, and there's some new shit on there. Mm -hmm. You definitely need to check out. Better designs, better quality. Much better Better experience. All around good. Definitely. So check out MileHigher.com. But let's go ahead and jump right into this week's news stories. The first thing is, is rather interesting and that is doctors have officially frozen and reanimated a human being for the first time dun 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 the future's here yeah that's insane what's interesting about this and it's something that we've seen in movies before so like Mm. do you remember that movie passengers with jennifer lawrence and chris pratt Yes. Oh, were, yeah. I loved that movie. Actually, it's a, yeah, it's like a love story in space. Yeah, and, and it got alone horrible on reviews. Yeah, yeah. But I love that shit. It was good. I did too. I thought it was really good. It was a love story again. in space. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what you guys really aspire to be. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, do, I know Josh she... does. Well, it's these. It's a crazy story. It's actually these people that are like frozen on a giant spaceship and they're traveling to another galaxy and it's going to take so long to get there that they're frozen in time like in their bodies and their age and everything it's very it's not scientific at all it's very sci-fi well no it is scientific actually because it's happening not, now <laughs> kind of it's like low-key yeah 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 i mean but it's not, basically the love it. story comes in when two of them wake up on accident early right before their so destination. they get to be alive together the only two people in this giant spaceship for like years and years and years and years Oh, that's kind of cute. Problem is, though, kind is of that also horrifying. But the, yeah, the pro. So I mean, I don't want to spoil it. I guess I don't need to put. Yeah, don't, spoilers don't out there. That's just like the the trailer, basically. <laughs> but it's a great movie. It is, and it, it's a lot like this because yeah, they freeze them, and then they bring you back when you're arrived at your destination. Well, it's not like, like freezing you as like in a freezer. Like you're not like an ice cube in there. No, they but they, do they have lower that in your there body either. temperature to a real like a really like essentially bring yourself to almost like dead like mm-hmm. where you're kind of resting at a very very low low rate of activity are they almost but it's almost like being in a coma but beyond that you know you're like in between being in a coma and being dead i would say uh-huh. and this is what they're doing is that they're putting these people in this sort of frozen state they're pumping saline through their bodies to lower the temperatures because it's actually going to allow doctors to have more time on traumatic injuries to work on the patient. Oh. Um, it's going to, it, they've just did their first um, sort of trial with this at the university of Maryland school of medicine. They put a human being into a suspended animation. They replaced his blood with ice cold saline solution. And oh. essentially he was then removed from the cooling system and taken to an operating uh, room for a two hour surgical procedure before having their blood restored and their body warmed back up to its normal temperature. So they replace your blood with saline solution. It's crazy. That is so mm-hmm. wild to think about. I wonder what the human body looks like with saline solution instead of blood. Oh, man. I like translucent little worm, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think it kind of is the same type of thing. Yeah. Um, the consistency of it is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. It's just you got warm blood and then you're putting ice cold saline in your body. Yeah. But the fact that you they're able to, you know, they're starting to see that they can then put the blood back into you and, and revive you, you essentially is very interesting and the reason why it i is. brought up passengers is that and, and this is what everybody else when they, this article came out was well couldn't we use this type of technology for interstellar travel right because if that's the main the biggest problem with traveling to another planet is it takes so so long to get there but does this process not age you 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it, it, we don't know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's obviously yeah. going to continue aging and you know, the technology right. in the film is different. Um, yeah. obviously cause they're well, traveling to another <laughs> solar system. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's some magic happening there, right. but as far as like, you know, even traveling a few years or something, if you put your body into the state, it's going to be, you know, I guess the travel is not going to be as hard on your body. I don't really know for sure. I think they're still mm-hmm. kind of experimenting with it, but this, they, this is like a very, very <laughs> low level of that, that technology. So it's pretty cool to see that they're doing that. So as cool and crazy as this is, they're still trying to figure out, is there issues with the part of rewarming a body? Is there injuries that could occur to the other organs and things like that, you yeah. know, during that process. So it's not totally been, you know, no. sort of. Well, they don't know how the saline could react with your organs and like long-term in your body that much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a very, very early trial, but the fact that it was somewhat successful is pretty cool. So it's very cool. The next story I have is something that <laughs> this oh, is so funny. a lot of you were telling us about, and it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. So there is, there was this photo that went viral and it's supposedly a picture of a young girl from 1898. This photo was taken um, during the Klondike gold rush in Yukon, Canada. And the photo is confirmed and not photoshopped. Correct. This is uh, was sourced to the University of Washington uh, archive. So this 120 year old photo has a girl in it kind of in the center focus of the picture that bears a ton of resemblance to uh, Greta Thunberg and she is this you know the youth climate activist um, who's been doing a lot of really great things uh, mm-hmm. for climate change and she's a little badass yeah seriously like taking this whole issue on as her life mission pretty mm-hmm. much. it's pretty impressive going after people hard too mm-hmm. totally and so people are like well this looks very very similar and they really do <laughs> yeah. the two to, like lined up together they do look similar look similar I mean I don't know. The eyes look a little bit different to me. The end of her nose is different. The nose is a little bit different, but people her are eyes like, do look different. could this be? Well, I mean, Greta. what if it was, well, <laughs> the theory is, is that this could be Greta could be a time traveler because we Coming found this picture of her and she's come to the future to save us from climate change or, well, how would people in the past know that climate change was going to get worse and come to the future to help us? Wouldn't they just like stay in the past and try to fix it back then? Well, it wasn't happening back then. So why would they try to fix it back then? So you could save it before it happened. Why would you come now where it's a mess and we're like pretty much screwed? You know, if you're a time traveler, she should come out like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Or it's four, a little, 50 years ago. It's a little late coming in at the end of everything. Yeah. And, and here you are. You're a little late to the well, party. Well, it's like, I maybe, yeah, I don't know. I would more believe someone from the future coming back to save us, you know? Yeah. Going back in time makes Oh, yeah, because they see, like, how bad it is. And yeah. like, oh, we better stop it quick. Yeah, <laughs> like, they had somehow had a future picture. I don't know, but... <laughs> but this idea of just, I, just this general concept of not only time travel, but of people that are, you know, leaders and, and different things that to try to better humanity or fix mm-hmm. major problems being potentially a time travel is very interesting to me you know, or just like, like a special being of yeah, some sort. yeah there's a lot of theories about that right that important people revolutionary people in our history they could be like a star seed or something yeah. or be you know something like <laughs> yes, that whatever you want to call it but i don't know i thought it was interesting and yeah who knows maybe she's a time traveler <laughs> <laughs> let us know what you guys think in the comments definitely but we got to jump right into michelle carter and conrad roy because this is just a massive crazy case but before we do we'd like to thank our sponsors for today so let's talk about conrad roy the third which this case centers around him i mean Mm -hmm. this is all about him he's a victim right he's the victim in this case and so his a little bit of his background is that conrad roy the third was born on september 12 1995 to his parents lynn roy and conrad roy jr and his mother described him as a beautiful soul who was a happy child. Mm-hmm. And from an early age, it was apparent that one of the places Roy felt most at home was on the water. And we watched a documentary on this, and uh, his grandfather mm-hmm. uh, and his yeah. father talked about you know how much he enjoyed yes. being on the water and, and boating and things like that. He was it was a real a, escape for him. Yeah, he was actually going to be a tugboat captain yep. and things he like that. He had a future in it. Yeah. Totally. 
he found a lot of joy and happiness um, on the water for sure. Um, and that's kind of where his family made their money. They, they would like buy and sell different types of boats and vessels mm-hmm. and things like that. So Conrad and his family are from the Mattapoisett, Massachusetts area. Yes. That's where they, you know, raised him and, and he grew up. And in June 2014, Conrad had graduated from high school with an impressive 3.88 GPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a smart Very kid. smart. Very smart. I mean, that's a great GPA. You can really tell too, like Conrad, if you want, you can, I think they're still all on YouTube. He did like a lot of YouTube vlogging before vlogging was really a thing. Like he would sit down and just talk to a recording, like just on a like your webcam. Web, webcam on your computer. Yeah. But he would kind of just like, it didn't even seem like it was really directed at anyone. It was almost like a video diary really. For right. Himself. Totally. Like he wasn't trying to perform like, an, like via YouTube or anything, but yeah, you could just tell by the way he was talking in these videos that he's really smart and just like has a lot going on in his head. Totally. Totally. You know, he's very much in his head. Yeah. So in addition to graduating from high school, he actually earned his captain's license as well. Um, so he had plans to go work on the water. And as he got older, he began to struggle with social anxiety and depression. Um, and like Kendall said, you know, it was something that he kind of talked about through his, you know, videos that he posted online. So we'll play some of that now. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Conrad Henry Roy III. Reporting to you about what's going on through my mind, what's going on through my head the last few days. So it all started off just, I'm trying to do too much to better myself in so little time, like studying vocabulary words, trying to relate TV shows, movies, sports figures, cars, like, I don't know, Twitter phenomenon, like current event situation, like current events, or what's going on in the media. Because that's what people like to talk about. What I am doing is I'm looking at myself so negatively. Looking at myself minuscule little particle on the face of this earth. That's no good. Trash. Will never be successful. Never have a wife. Never have kids. Never never learn. But I have a lot to offer someone. I'm introverted, nice and caring. That's some benefits. I'm a nice kid. But it comes to a point where I'm just too nice. And the anxiety and depression actually reached a point where Conrad had attempted to kill himself in October of 2012 with Tylenol. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. There's more to that whole yeah. situation to kind of talk about, but mm-hmm. he definitely had a history with depression. Definitely. And, you know, just mental struggles. He was toying with a lot of thoughts. Yeah, and it didn't and help complex that his, uh, issues. It didn't help that his parents were like getting divorced and got yes. actually got divorced and his parents divorce took a big toll on him and it was said that the divorce was pretty brutal. Very you know, brutal. Fighting. Yeah. And yeah. he experienced that. And I, I've experienced similar. I know that's hard. I mean, I was older it's, than him, but it's, it's definitely fucking traumatic hard. for sure, yeah. especially on a young person like that. Yeah. To have totally to go is. through that. And tensions at home really got bad and mm-hmm. escalated to violence uh, more often than not. And actually, in 2011, his mom, Lynn, was arrested for domestic violence after a fight with her ex husband, or Roy's father. Um, and Roy's father claimed that he had been attacked in front of his children. Um, Roy's father is an interesting cat. He he is, yeah. What do you think of him? I mean, I, I think there's like this Massachusetts kind of male. I don't know. I, I've noticed that, oh, that men is very from true. Massachusetts My dad is a good example have of that. like kind of this hard. There's a like tough, wanna, they wanna, toughness. Yeah, they portray this like, like tough guy, tough guy like mentality. That like yeah. kind of like, you know, I'm rough around the edges and, you mm-hmm. know, I'm kind of, you know. Tough love is kind but of then like it a was big thing. Hard, it was crazy to see him kind of break down in the HBO documentary, yeah, yeah. which is called um, I Love You Now Die. It's the most mm-hmm. recent thing on this case. And I definitely recommend watching it. They show a lot of the trial, which I find really interesting. A lot of un, uh, unedited, uninterrupted, long moments, which, which are really interesting to watch. HBO always does such a good job. They do. They do. Um, but yeah, it was weird to see his dad because he, he definitely like loved his son. There's no joke. Like when you see how he reacted um, 
two things that he was saying. You can tell he had real love for his son, but they had a really complicated relationship that we'll get more into. But yeah. they definitely butted heads, I think. And there was a lot of like fighting for dominance between them, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like they kind of want to be the the man of the house. Like they have that kind of mentality, like I'm the man of the house. And then, you know, once Conrad got to a certain you know, age, an adult, I think his dad felt a little threatened by him. Totally. And his son's like uber successful and yeah. he's smart and, you know, kind and of could. It seems like he had the mentality of like, you put your son in his place too. Right. Like you need to make sure he knows. Well, that's how Conrad's dad's dad kind right. of treated him that's just kind of i mean it's they're like conrad the third now yeah. you know so there's yeah. this whole you know family hierarchy there mm -hmm. that you know a lot of us can't really relate to and i think right. there is sort of some like a pecking order in a family like that where no matter how old you get mm -hmm. you always have to like have this certain level of obedience and respect for you know your parent in a, in a much in a different way than most of us do you know like I feel like right. a lot of us, once we get old enough with our parents, we kind of become an equal with them. But mm -hmm. with some families, you never become an equal with your parent. You're right. always below them. And, and they don't quite know what to do when right. a kid hits that age where they're almost a man, mm -hmm. you know, because they had a physical fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Roy and his father got yep. into a, a actual like fist fight. They did. And he, when they interviewed him about it, he basically said, you know, I wouldn't do anything different. I have no regrets about that. He hit his son like he hit him. Well, I think he was I like think, Conrad attacked me and right. I attacked him back. I put him in his place. That's what you do. Yeah. And I would do it to this day. Yeah. It's kind of this nature thing of I like that was really interesting for him to say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if violence is the answer, but I guess in some families they just got to duke it out. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's mean, hard to got, say what was going on in the house. Obviously, Conrad's really the only one who could like explain how mm -hmm. he felt about his parents and stuff. But it seemed like. His relationship with his dad especially was really strained very yeah definitely definitely and it was difficult on him for sure definitely it seemed like he was more in tune with his mother definitely um definitely more of a mom's you know, boy yeah exactly yeah. It seemed Felt like they were pretty close yeah totally like she understood his struggle better i feel like yeah or, and took know. it seriously yeah yeah totally because i could see his dad just you know, if he ever voiced any opinions of yeah. being depressed or something, his dad just saying some type of smart, up. smart remark or, you know, he was one of those guys just like dust, dust it off, you know, and get back up or something. But how much can we judge him from these interviews? You know, like we don't know him. It's hard to say yeah. like either way can't what really, he's really like. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's all him. speculation. Yeah. Based on that's like part. my, yeah, we're not in this family. We don't know. But what I do know is that this type of environment couldn't have been helpful to his mental health issues. Definitely not. Um, I think it contributed a lot. Especially depression. You know, like if you're dealing with depression, you really need that support from your family and you really need an understanding family that yeah. really gets it. So obviously the trouble at home is not helpful mm -hmm. on Conrad's mental health and his parents began to see him struggle in school and they decided to get him professional help and they took him to see psychiatrists and other mental health professionals. And that was when the family decided to put Roy on an antidepressant, which I think we know what that was. Um, they put him on Prozac, correct? Yes. Um, which is a common SSRI that people get prescribed. So after they put him on the antidepressant, his, his family members really seemed like it, it helped him prove his life and he seemed happier and seemed like he was doing better. Um, and, and even in the documentary, when they interviewed him, they're like, it seemed like Conrad was getting better. And like, they didn't really notice that anything was really off. And it seemed mm -hmm. like his situation was improving. That was what they thought. But little did we know um, that he was entering this relationship with Michelle Carter. Really entering a whole nother fantasy world, world with really, Michelle Carter. Totally. So this is where Michelle Carter comes in. And the beginning of the relationship began in February 2012. Michelle was 15 then, and essentially they went to Naples, Florida to visit her grandparents. Conrad, who was 16 at the time, was visiting his great aunt a few doors down. So it was during this time that the two uh, met each other, and they kind of got together and started doing some activities or riding bikes together at the Flirting. beach and yeah. you know kind of that summer fling type, yeah. type thing that teenage love yep <laughs> they like to ride bikes and play basically totally and i think they really bonded over 
their mental health issues mm-hmm. um, and just a lot of the things they had going on in their life. I think they could really relate with each other. It seemed kind of like they would one up each other though. Like who's more, they, it was like kind of like the dramatics, like they almost fed off of each other's negative energy in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And like, who's more messed up in their head. Totally. They, you know, that's what they were saying. At yeah. least, you know, like, who's made you know he made the suicide attempt so he's always kind of had that in her but she's had depression she's cuts herself she's i mean we can go into well and they're, later, they were both but, taking antidepressants as well yeah so she has her own mental struggles for sure well if but you they think really about it fed off of each other totally. and i think the thing with michelle and conrad is they're both like pretty lonely people yeah, and what was interesting is that they both so like after they got together initially that summer they you know they came back home after their trip or whatever and they were both from different parts of massachusetts yeah um she was from plainville and he was from Mattapoisett. Um, yeah and neither of them really had tons of friends like no. in their hometowns like we'll talk more about michelle but Car- or conrad didn't have like tons of really close friends he actually talks a lot about social anxiety so they they bonded over feeling kind of like rejected, I think, in a way. Yeah, which is interesting because they both like participated in sports. They were both on sports teams. Yeah, like he played baseball and but she Conrad was, on was even bullied too. Yeah, he was. He was. So I think they kind of related to that because I think Michelle was low key bullied too. Mm-hmm. I mean, girls would say very passive aggressive, nasty things to her. From what I've read, you know, she was always kind of like fifth wheeling all the time. Like she was always kind of there never really had a solid group of friends well she was and she was just always searching for somebody to give her that attention that she wanted and needed and you know it it was it came out in a way that was annoying to people or people just felt like yeah clingy like kind of like bothersome and yeah and like they'd kind of hang out with her at school but then outside of it there'd be like no interactions at all and she'd be trying to get together with people on the weekends and they would always make it up an excuse and she ne- she did not ever have like a really close best friend she never really bonded with anyone she had trouble with her all her relationships and she was always questioning her friends like yes are you mad at me she was like that yeah. type. Of, i don't know if you've, if you've ever dealt with somebody like that in your life or been friends with somebody like that in your life i know i have mm-hmm. in the past and it can be tough because, you know, y- you can only say so much to somebody to for them to understand your friendship or kind of where mm-hmm. you stand with each other. But some people, you know, who may have mental health issues might just not understand it. Like in their brain, it's just not computing what mm-hmm. what your relationship with them is. So then they, you know, they kind of come across as like, you know, not desperate, just but kind of just like clingy yeah yeah exactly like that's how a lot of girls kind of annoying they won't leave you alone like you know it's very insecure i think where it comes back to you're not secure in yourself and therefore you're looking you're longing for that person like you guys were saying to give them that attention Mm -hmm. and you're willing to go to extremes in order to feel like finally you're getting the attention that you're longing for that's what she did definitely that's what she did this was all about attention what's interesting though about the relationship is that they lived in separate towns and were really kind of a part of different social classes in a way. I don't even know if that's the right word, but um, you know, like Conrad came from, you know, get it dirty with your hands type mm-hmm. tough working, a work mm-hmm. middle class working family. And then she came from more of like a, yeah. you know, more corporate type family that had more, you know, fancy Isn't jobs. Isn't it called like white collar like and yeah, blue white collar and blue collar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I remember the documentary pointed that out. And Plainville was kind of like a, you know, more predominantly white area versus where Conrad was from was more diverse, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. uh, you know, different types of people. Yeah, they there. lived pretty different lives. Different lives. But what's interesting is that they were in a relationship for a while and they only saw each other like five times or something. And I think even only, less. I don't know. I think it was like a handful exactly. of times. It was like four or five times. And they yeah. were only an hour away from each other. Yeah. And, you know, they're 15, 16. They got their license and stuff, but they didn't like yeah. really go see each other all the time. No, most of their relationship was done online. And I think they kept it from their parents a lot too. Because like mm-hmm. his mom knew her and always thought she seemed like a nice girl. But like his mom said, you know, I had no idea that they were even starting a relationship that they were girlfriend and boyfriend mm-hmm. you know we didn't realize that uh we didn't realize how much they were talking 
and I mean, this case is, it's gonna, it's a big lesson for parents. I mean, it definitely was eye opening for us, even about how much we will pay attention to our kids stuff because a lot of technology specifically, because it's so easy nowadays to have a relationship online completely hidden from everyone else too. It's so, you have that like, yeah, you have that anonymity or whatever online. Right. Um, and you can enter a relationship Mm -hmm. with virtually anybody Yeah, and you can hide everything you do online and yeah, you can have a full blown, you know, romantic relationship or whatever. It's like, you want to know what your kids are doing, but you don't want to like spy on them and read their love messages. But like at the same time, it's hard to find that boundary of respecting their privacy and trying to give them, you know, independence and letting them feel like they can be their own person. And then also making sure that they're safe and not, doing something that they don't know is dangerous that down the line could get them in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you were making a really good point earlier about how, yeah. you know, our parents didn't have mm-hmm. that. So they've, ne- this is kind of the first generation to ever really have to deal with something like yeah, this. We don't really know what to sure. do. It's no. hard finding. There is, has never been a real guideline to follow. Like yeah. there have been for many other things in the past because yeah. it's so new, all of this social media right. and talking online. Yeah, like we will parent our kids so much differently because we grew up with it. We know the dangers. We've heard the stories versus our parents had no idea what the hell. They didn't grow up with it. So, you know, I mean, my parents didn't know what I was doing online. I wasn't doing anything bad, but like they didn't know. Mm -hmm. They weren't reading my text messages. My parents were not the type to like be up in my shit and read. I could have been doing all this crazy conversations. Who knows what I was saying to people, but... My parents never knew, you know, they didn't, but will we check our kids? I mean, I probably will glance at it. Will I read every single thing and invade their privacy? No, but like, I think this case is such a huge example for like, you have to be somewhat aware, especially like who they're talking to. What's the general conversation about? Like, you don't need to go through and pick it all apart. Yeah. You don't need to like, know you you can take a quick glance and make sure nothing bad's happening yeah or just like set up some keyword filters or something like certain things like especially with with what they were talking about yeah and we'll we'll get into that sorry we're kind of jumping ahead but yeah so they're crazy their relationship was almost completely technology based yeah um mostly texting like the amount of texting they did was insane insane thousands and thousands of messages and they would call each other as well Mm-hmm. But it seemed like texting was really the the main thing. I think they sent a few emails too, but it was primarily yeah. over text. And yeah. text is one of those things that, you know, it's easy to misconstrue like what people are saying and what tone. And, yeah. you know, you really can't, you you really can't look at a text and unless you really know that person, you spend a lot of time with them in person mm-hmm. and really understand the context that they're sending that text from right. when they send it to you. Because if it's somebody you don't you really know that well, so it can different. be interpreted in a million different ways. Even if you do know someone well, I still feel like I probably misinterpret text messages all the time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I get them from my mom and I feel like I misinterpret them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just hard over a text message. That's why Janelle and I were saying earlier, we like to voice text because, or like use the voice memo thing. Yeah, that's nice. understand tone. Right. You know? Yep. What was also interesting about Michelle though is that she was obsessed with shows like Glee. Um, yeah, and she would use quotes from the actors mm-hmm. and the show when she texted Roy. Yep. Um, and which kind of leads to this idea that she, her relationship with him, was less about you know a real romantically based relationship, more, more of like a fantasy based relationship. Yeah. So, like we mentioned earlier, that October of 2012, Conrad did try to kill himself by swallowing a bottle of Tylenol. And he went to the hospital, you know, luckily they were he able was there to, for like a week too, or something crazy. Then he, they were able to save him. Cause I think um, they like pump your stomach. I'm pretty sure. Like, cause it's yeah. before it absorbs and everything. And yeah, he got there in time. Remember they rushed him. Yeah. They rushed him in. His mom did. Mm-hmm. And so they got it before it was you know, too late. Right. Cause it but then a about while. a week later he was texting with Michelle and um, he told her, he, she said, you know, like, how are you? And then he said, I'm doing okay, but I was just in the hospital. Right. Do you even care about And then me he said, Do you even care about what's happening to me? And then she was like, Why were you in the hospital? Oh my God, is this my fault? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the first of them talking about that. Mm-hmm. So Michelle and Conrad are texting back and forth and they're kind of like comparing, you know, different things that are happening to them and having this very, very bizarre uh, conversation with each other. He's talking about how he like, fucked up his stomach from the Tylenol and she says her eating disorder, which she had anorexia. Yes. Um, 
she's like you know the anorexia is killing her liver mm-hmm. um and then Which they, it does kills your whole body mm-hmm. and then they both said they saw the devil like he yes. saw the devil in the hospital which was weird yeah, he and said, just I saw the bizarre. Devil, and then she was like i see this devil too and then they talked about how they were going to ride off into hell together one right, day right like it was the weirdest thing they're like maybe we're meant to be together because we both see the devil mm-hmm. like they were in a very weird headspace at this mm-hmm. time so after conrad you know went through that first suicide attempt i think things kind of settled back down a little bit because 2013 there's not a whole lot that we know of between them as far as what i could find i mean there's probably stuff out there i'm sure yeah but, they were you know, i think they were just talking back and forth i don't know how much has been released you right know? right there's only so much online yeah because we know like kind of how it started and then how sort of everything came to an end here so now we're getting into 2014 um, and in the beginning of 2014, Conrad started having some issues at school. He was actually suspended from school um, because of fighting. Um, and so, Definitely you know, acting he, out. Mm-hmm. so he actually, you know, went to see a friend of his named Tom Gamble. And it was a person that he played baseball with and, you know, played video games with. But, you know, that was kind of the extent of their relationship. It wasn't like they were, you know, he didn't really have any like close male friends or, no. at all. Like he no. didn't have anybody. And, um, yeah, there's just this interesting, uh, text with his mom where he said, um, the visit was a bust. I haven't slept good. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling down. I don't know why I can't just be normal. And he said things like this a lot. Like, why can't I just be normal? Like he didn't feel normal, like a normal guy. It can be so confusing to be having those struggles like i remember i was in college when i first started having symptoms of depression and i was like totally confused by it i was like i'm really happy in my life like why am i feeling this way it's like a a really weird trippy experience almost because you're like i feel like i have no control over my own mind Mm -hmm. you know mental health struggles are some of it's some of the most difficult things humans go through yeah i mean i can't even relate because i've never never struggled with any sort of mental health and it's like oftentimes such a silent lonely yeah. battle totally you know, for people totally and i mean I kn- i've known people that have and from what they've told me and stuff i can totally see how you just not feel comfortable like in your own skin and just yeah. how hard everything would be and especially right. relationships would be yeah. very difficult definitely so in june of 2014 michelle was having her own struggles as well she was actually um, admitted to McLean Hospital uh, to be treated for anorexia. So not only did she have, you know, the antidepressant, or not only did she have the um, depression issues, but she was also battling an eating disorder, which I can't even imagine those two combined, or if one caused the other potentially. Well, it all kind of goes hand in hand, you know. Mm-hmm. They're all triggering each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But while she was being treated, she actually told Conrad that he should join her and to get help for his depression. Which is interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. At one point, she was encouraging him, and she was a helpful voice in his life. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a text conversation, which we're going to read some of their. A lot of, you know, in order to understand the relationship, you have to read some of their text conversations because that's really where we learn a lot about them. Um, is from their text. Yeah. So this one is from June 19, 2014, and this is uh, where Michelle urges uh, Conrad to get medical help for his suicidal thoughts. So she says. But the mental hospital will help you. I know you don't think it would, but I'm telling you, if you give them a chance, they can save your life. Part of me wants you to try something and just fail so you can go get help. It doesn't help. Trust me. So what are you going to do then? Keep being all talk and no action and every day go through how badly you want to kill yourself? Or are you going to try to get better? I can't get better. I already made my decision. So Conrad doesn't take her you know, offer to get help. And then three weeks later, he tells her that he's suicidal. We should be like Romeo and Juliet. I'd love to be your Juliet. But you know what happens at the end. And she said, oh yeah, fuck no. We are not dying. That is not funny. I thought you were trying to be romantic. I know, I tricked you. So it's like, when you see this kind of stuff, you see, oh. So there was a point where Michelle was trying to help or like try to steer him in a better direction. Right, right. Which is important to remember later on for sure. Yes. And then they have another uh, text exchange on June 23rd, 2014. And and in this exchange, Michelle discourages Conrad from harming himself. How do you know you want to harm yourself? Something I don't know yet. Please don't. 
I hate myself. I'll always hate myself. I'm never going to view myself as good. I'm so far behind. What is harming yourself going to do? Nothing. It will make it worse. Make the pain go away, like you said. It could make it will make the pain go away temporarily, but when you're done, you'll just regret it and feel even worse. So again, she's she's mm-hmm. encouraging him not to to have these thoughts or do the things that he's thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. But then things started kind of taking a different change of tune here on June 29th. And it's weird because this happens really fast. Like the last message we just read was June 23rd. So literally like less than a yes. week later, it she flips. flips. Like something clearly kind of happened in her head. So then she kind of began to conspire with him on June 29th. She says, what about hanging yourself or stabbing yourself? And then the next day she asked him, why don't you just drink bleach? Jesus. Like it's almost like maybe she got tired. I think maybe in a way she was trying to get better and keep her mental state better. And him like constantly nagging her down or like bringing up suicide or bringing up all these like stressful things. Maybe eventually she got sick of it. And she like that's a good point. changed. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to understand what could have been possibly going on in her mind. Totally to tell someone to go drink bleach. Like, how do you understand? How do you make sense of that? Well, it obviously had an effect on Conrad because then yeah. he started. And he was like, "Oh, okay, those are some suggestions." Yeah. But then he started looking at websites that had like different odds for different methods of suicide: carbon monoxide or helium gas. I want to deprive myself of oxygen what he said i want to die but he was also worried about leaving his family at the same Mm -hmm. time like Mm -hmm. he obviously loved his family and you know that was something that i think was really holding him back from yeah he kept telling her like i'm worried about my family i'm worried about his mom because i think he knew his mom was going to be like so torn up about this and she definitely is you can tell this woman carries major pain and i think that was his biggest holdup is like i don't want to hurt them and she would constantly comfort him and be like, I'll take care of your family. I'll, you know, everything will be fine. And then Michelle actually said that if her sister died, she comforted Conrad by saying, I'd be extremely upset for a week or two, but I would get over it. What? And then she asked him specifically, are you going to leave a note for me? Mm-hmm. See, this is what's just so weird and where things get really twisted. Yes. Because not only is she suggesting methods for him to take his life, but then she's like kind of making it about her in a way. Oh yeah, definitely a big way. It changed so fast from trying to help him to like encouraging him to commit suicide. It's like a different person. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she started getting mad. Like she really wanted him to do it quick. It became like, you got to do this fast. Yeah. And she started, she thought, that he was kind of jerking her around, like talking a big game right. about suicide when you're not yeah, actually going to do yeah, it. And she was feeling right. like irritated about that. And she kept saying, you keep pushing it off. Yeah. And then she kept giving him other ideas too, like yep. a gunshot to the head had a 99% chance of working. Mm-hmm. Hanging had an 89% carbon monoxide is the best option yep. uh, is what she told him. You fall asleep in your car while it's running. She also really pushed him for sleeping pills, but he was so like traumatized by the whole Tylenol thing. Yeah, well, he was like, if I'm going to do it, I want something that's going to be a guaranteed, you know, kind of one and done. Like, it's going to actually yeah. work, and there's no way yeah. for anybody to stop me from doing this. Right. Um, and he was at first worried about inhaling, like, CO2 because, you know, he was worried that if rescuers got to him, that they might get sick as well, which is interesting. Yeah. So he, like, he cared. He clearly, like, cared about people. Um, yeah. And his family and those he around him. He didn't want to, like, care about himself. Exactly. Which is so sad, man. So hard to so put young yourself in to that, be those shoes. Having that feeling, like it's just so sad hearing this story. But, but Michelle's comments are wild. Yeah, she eventually says, "You better not be bullshitting me and saying you're going to do this and then possibly get caught or purposely get caught." Yeah, like what? what? Purposely get caught? Like the things that were going through her mind. She was like already playing out scenarios, mm-hmm. and then she asked when he did die if she could say that she was his girlfriend, and Conrad said, "Okay." I like, want. I wish I could like get into his head when she's I saying know. this stuff. And I would lo- love to hear and what he think thought. Think what what's going through his mind it's as she's be like, saying. What the hell? Like, I wonder if he he's a smart guy, and I'm wondering like yeah. if he's questioning her motives in this, or if she really yeah. cares about him, right. or if this is about her and all about what she's trying to get out of this. It's, I mean, you'd hope just, that he would have realized that, but it doesn't seem like that. Mm-hmm. Because then it gets worse. It does. <laughs> On but, July seventh, two thousand fourteen. Uh, Michelle told Conrad how she would handle the situation. Mm-hmm. 
If you were in my position, honestly, what would you do? She said, I would get help. That's just me though. When I have a serious problem, like that is my first instinct to go get help because I know I can't do it on my own. And then later that day, they talked about the best way for him to produce carbon monoxide. Right, right. She says, well, there's way, well, there's more ways to make CO. Google it. Oh my God. What? Portable generator. That's it. And that's almost becomes the murder weapon here is the portable generator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because he ended up being the one that first brought it up, which is huge. Mm -hmm. She didn't like tell him to use the portable generator. He found it Mm -hmm. after like she told him to Google it. Yeah. But then he found it. And that's huge. Yeah. And then the next day they have another uh, rather weird text exchange. So you sure you don't want to kill yourself tonight? What do you mean? Am I sure? Like, are you definitely not going to do it tonight? I don't know yet. I'll let you know. Because I'll stay up with you if you want to do it tonight. Another day wouldn't hurt. You can't keep pushing it off, though. That's all you keep doing. That's oh it. My so the, gosh. And it's kind of interesting how she goes back and forth. Yeah. I'm like, I would get help if I were you. And then like, do it now. <laughs> like what? She was Almost like the playing the opposite of him because he's yeah. clearly having doubts yes. of doing it. Because like it, it's from what I understand about people that are suicidal is that, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it, you know. Right. But if you're have if you're wrestling with, you know, whether or not you're going to do it, chances are you probably don't want to do it you know and you're probably not going to do that to yourself you know yeah well that becomes the big question here yeah would he have done this right if she wasn't encouraging him if she wasn't having this constant exchange with him almost every day it seems like yeah almost like treating him like you baby you don't want to do this like get it done Mm -hmm. just get it done with Mm -hmm. like what are you it's so insane to see these messages it's this case is so shocking that's why i got so much coverage and attention because it is so bizarre how she was texting him these things. Yeah. It's like something we've never seen before, really. Yeah. Really. I don't think there's, I mean, there's, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a case that's really that similar to this. It's so weird. And I mean, the court system had no idea what to do with this, but we'll get into that. And I'm sure as you're listening to these text exchanges, you're really starting to, yeah, you know, get Figure a better idea of like who Michelle is. and, and Well, she, a lot of you probably heard us in the intro topics two weeks ago. Yeah. We explained it briefly but so in this text exchange from july 11th and 12th 2014 uh conrad's talking with her about concerns of how his parents would handle his suicide and he says i'm just too sensitive i want my family to know there was nothing they could do i am trapped in my own thoughts like no i would be happy if they had no guilt about it because i had a because i have a bad feeling that this is going to create a lot of depression between my parents and sisters i'm overthinking everything fuck i gotta stop and just do it i think your parents know that you're in a really bad place i'm not saying they want you to do it but i honestly feel like they can accept it they know that there's nothing they can do they've tried helping everyone's tried but there's a point that comes where you where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you not even yourself and you've hit that point and i think your parents know that you've hit that point you said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer and just didn't say anything. I think she knows it's on your mind and she's prepared for it. Because basically what happened was Conrad was looking at like Those methods she, for yes, suicide, methods. the chances. And and he told Michelle, oh, my God, my mom just walked in and saw it and like ignored it and didn't say anything. Which I'm like. And she was like, well, that's that means that she doesn't care. She wants you to do it. Immediately. That's what she told him. Yeah. Does the mom confirm that? I don't, I don't I don't know remember. if they've ever questioned her about that or not. Yeah, I don't think it's as far very as possible Conrad made it up. I mean, I'm sure there was lies going back between the two of them. Exaggerations. I mean, because what the fuck? What, what I'm parent? sorry, but yeah, yeah what the fuck? Yeah, you'd hope that she didn't see that shit. But I mean, he could have just made it up. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. But though. she said everyone will be sad for a while, but then they'll get over it and move on. They won't be in a depression. I won't let that happen. They know how sad you are and they know that you're doing this to be happy and they will understand and accept it. They'll always carry you in their hearts. Can you imagine saying something like this to someone? I mean, it's so absurd. It is. And then Conrad goes on to say, I don't want anyone hurt in the process, though. 
I meant when they open the door, all the carbon monoxide is going to come out. They can't see it or smell it. Whoever opens the door. And then she said, well, they'll see the generator and know that you died of CO. That's that's so weird yeah. that he's thinking about the people that are going to find. Him. I know he was Isn't such that, a good like, guy. He's he such a good guy. Uh, God, it's really sad. It's, just, it's a total shame that this happened. And then he said, hey, can you do me a favor? Yes, of course. Just be there for my family. Smiley face. Conrad, of course, I will be there for your family. I will help them as much as I can to get through this. And I'll tell them about what an amazing son and brother he tr truly was. I don't know. Her text doesn't completely make sense there. But yeah, telling them like, I will, I will help them and I will comfort them. Yeah. Meanwhile, the family's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, seriously. They like barely knew her. Seriously, it's so bizarre. And she wanted to play this whole role for them. Then he says, I don't know. I'm freaking out again. I'm overthinking. I thought you wanted to do this. The time is right and you're ready. You just need to do it. You can't keep living this way. You need to do it like you did it last time and not think about it and just do it, babe. You can keep, you can't keep doing this every day. I do want to, but like I'm freaking for my family, I guess. I don't know. Conrad, I told you I will take care of them. Everyone will take care of them to make sure that they're not alone and there will be people to help them get through it. We've talked about this. They will be okay and they will accept it. People who commit suicide don't think this much and they just do it. Jeez. What a, what the hell is that this statement? This is getting just so crazy. Yes, they like, do. Can you imagine the thoughts that people have before they commit suicide? Of course the they hell? think about this. What the hell, dude? She is just, oh my God, it makes me so angry. <sighs> so this takes us up to um, essentially Conrad's last day, July yes. 12th, 2014. Um, and these text exchanges were... Um, before his body was found and he's essentially talking about how he's you know struggling with this decision to fall through with with this you mm -hmm. know sort of plan that they've come up with yeah i mean it's a big decision mm -hmm. so i guess you aren't going to do it then all that for nothing i'm just so confused like you were ready and determined i am gonna eventually i really don't know what i'm waiting for but i have everything lined up no you're not conrad Last night was it, and you keep pushing it off, and you say you'll do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. You're just making this harder on yourself by pushing it off, and you don't have to. Do you want to do it now? Is it too late? I don't know. It's already light outside. I'm going to go back to sleep. Love you. I'll text you tomorrow. No, it's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping. Just go somewhere, just go somewhere in your truck. And no one's really out right now because it's an awkward time. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And you can say you'll do it tomorrow, but you probably won't. You just need to do it, Conrad, or I'm going to get you help. You, <laughs> that's so insane. You need to kill yourself or I'll get you help. Crazy. What? You can't keep doing this every day. Okay, I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to do it today. Do you promise? I promise, babe. I have to now. Like right now? Where do I go? And you can't break a promise. Just go, just go into a quiet parking lot or something. So then at 5 p.m., Michelle texted him and said, are you going to do it now? And that's when he told her he was stressing out. And she just said, you know, it's fine. You're fine. It's all going to be okay. You just got to do it, babe. You can think about it. You just can't think about it. And then about an hour, 20 minutes past uh, 619 p.m., she uh, texts him again. Are, are you, you going to do it now? Because he said he was leaving the house. Yep. And then at 628, Conrad called Carter and they spoke on the phone for almost 43 minutes. And we don't know what they said yeah, on that call I'm sure for those sure. Calls was, I'm sure he was freaking out. Yeah. And like, just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Ugh. I'm sure he was, I'm, I almost guarantee that's what he was yep. telling her. And she yeah. just. Especially to be so forced to be like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. And then be like, no, no, you need to go do this right now. Like. Can you imagine what your mind state would be? And you'd just be like all over the place. And then they got on another call for another 47 minutes. So they had two yes, almost hour long calls. phone calls. And after that, that was it. Well, he actually, he, at one point he got out of the car, he started freaking out and he, because it was working. And Michelle said that it was because it was working. Right. And but, she tells him to get back into the car over the phone. Mm -hmm. So that was like, the last thing we know that she said and we to only him, know that because she said this to a friend right we'll kind of explain how yeah, we know that but yeah. 
you know, she, he got out. He wasn't going to go through with it. Right. He got out of the fucking car. Because he put... And she made him get back in. Because mm-hmm. he put a water pump in the car. Yeah. And started it. And so obviously the the yeah. cab filled up with fumes. Yeah. And yeah, he got out because yeah. he probably was like feeling, feel starting feeling the effects of it. Or whatever you'd feel Knew like. that if he stayed like. in there any yeah. longer that that was going to be it. Yeah. And I don't know if like for him it was like there was a real fantasy going on here about I'm going to kill myself. Like, I don't know if he was actually mentally prepared to right. do it, you know, which I don't think a lot of people are. And I think a lot of times what happens is that, you know, these thoughts accidentally result in death. You yeah. know, like I think that yeah. things just go, you know, things that aren't supposed to go this far just, just do, do by accident in a right. way. Like, right. So then Michelle totally acts like, you know, nothing happened. She just goes on about normal um, she acts like she didn't even know where Conrad was. She texted his mom and said, do you know where Conrad is? Mm-hmm. And then she said, do you call the police yet? Any news? Like she was worried about him being missing. Mm-hmm. And when we find out later on is that Michelle was actually already telling people that Conrad was missing before right. all this happened, before she made him go. So that's why she was like, go to it now, go now, now, because she, she had all these timeline. friends. Yeah that thought that he was missing and she was getting attention from them. Mm-hmm. Which is just fucking crazy. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so he was reported missing and then the police, you know, were looking all over and they eventually found his truck the next day. Yep. Um, and that's when his parents got the news that there's yellow tape around their son's truck. So obviously the family went through the whole process of the funeral. Everyone was devastated and Michelle was trying to be there for them at first. Yeah. And she was really trying to comfort his sister, his mom, play the role that she told Conrad she was going to play. I think she was kind of shocked that it actually happened to an extent, but um, she immediately started with the social media posts. Yep. Feel bad for me. She was taking quotes from Glee, putting it in the social media posts about my, my boyfriend yeah. and everything. Yeah. And she immediately used it as a tool to gain friendships totally. and relationships get attention get from attention. her friends because of yeah. course all of her friends are like oh my gosh i'm so sorry yeah this happened to you my yeah. you know, your boyfriend to have yeah. your loved one you know right. commit suicide is huge and right know, really painful yep. so she got the sympathy and, and and pretty quickly after she actually started this event called homers for conrad and it was like this baseball fundraiser thing but the weird thing is she did it in her town Versus not where Conrad town. lived and Conrad's friends and family were like, Hey, why don't we move it where, you know, people knew like, him in yeah, this town. Yeah. She was like, no, 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 this is my thing. Right. Like the way I that she talked it. on the, you know, to other people about him, she was so controlling of it. So in her narrative and po- like, it was so planned out that she was, per- you know, figuring out how she was going to act before he was even dead. Yeah. It was so clear. Well, it was, yeah, it's obvious she, she really thought about this fantasy quite a bit right? and was ready, yeah. ready for it when it happened. I mean, she had yeah. plenty of time. Yeah. And I mean, meanwhile, she doesn't know this, but police are on it. Mm-hmm. They, they get to the scene, they see Conrad dead and they find his phone. Mm-hmm. And the first person they see on it is an open Michelle or open message with Michelle Carter. Yeah. So that's instantly on their radar and they start going through the messages and they're like, holy shit, this may not just be a suicide we might have something here like right, what is right. this though but what is it though because how can you hold someone accountable for someone else right. killing was themselves? there was there a crime committed because right technically you know this is like freedom of speech you can say you can say the craziest most yes. heinous shit but does yeah. that constitute a crime yeah you know, or telling that to somebody else you know you right. she didn't actively physically participate in helping him kill right. himself or it's anything not like, like that. she was there holding the right. gun she wasn't telling it she wasn't there telling him to get back she didn't force him into the car or anything and then a lot of their conversations were on the phone mm-hmm. so we don't necessarily know how hard she was pushing him there's only so much evidence of that i mean there's still quite a bit but the thing that really sunk michelle's ship here and this is just blows my mind that she didn't think that this was going to be found she eventually texts her friend, Samantha Boardman, yeah, with pretty much a confession. And yeah. this ended up being a huge part of the trial. The main thing that they went off of was this. Mm-hmm. She said, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared. And I fucking told him to get back in. I could have stopped him, but I fucking didn't. All I had to say was, I love you. That that right there is like if she there's like any 
evidence, you know, that there was some type of criminal, you know, yeah. or malicious intent behind this. Right. It, it's that. Get back in. Yeah. And I think when detectives and people investigating this saw this, because in Massachusetts, you know, be, even though this was a suicide, they still in Massachusetts, they still investigate a death like this. Um, and that's, you know, that's really the reason why, you know, in other states, if it's a suicide, they just close up the case and right. move on. But this was luckily so in this case, they actually investigated it and they, you know, found the text messages, which there was oh, so unique, so many text messages, so many messages. And there's, there's just so brutal, like do it now. Like the forcing him, the timeline, like, so, I mean, this is something totally special here, to, not special, but totally unique to the the judiciary system they don't know yeah. what the hell to do with this yeah. like this ended up going to well, boston no supreme court no and they basically they didn't really know yeah so the police went through all all of her phone and everything mm -hmm. they recovered 317 pages yeah of text messages between these two sorted through all of them read through most of them and mm -hmm. the picture that gets painted is you know and essentially why they ended up indicting michelle carter for this right was because it really seemed like you know, she assisted in this suicide um, yeah. of Conrad. Yeah, like it's, I mean, but it's hard though. It is, it's hard. It's what, assisted suicide of someone? I don't know. It's very difficult, like legally, how do you punish someone for this? Or how do you like, I don't know. This was such, an, such a different case. Well, it was enough for the, it was enough for the DA to, you know, not indict her. Right. Um, and for involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. I mean, that's what they indicted her for. Yeah. Um, that so, she was w basically the reason for why, indirect reason for why he that killed himself. Without her, he would be alive would today. That's alive. the main thing that that's they what, ran off And that's of. what both the detectives who investigated yeah. the case said is that yeah. based without upon her, the text that we read and the conversations that they had, which she would have stayed out. There's 317. Yeah, and there's 317 yeah. pages. We don't even know the full extent. Yeah. Neither of us have read through 317 pages. Right. I think if you look, if you really dove into this on a very deep, deep level, yeah. I think it would lean, you might lean more, even more heavily towards Michelle definitely played a role um, in his death. And where it becomes difficult is that, you know, Conrad did have a history of depression. He definitely could have done this without her. 100%, whether Michelle was there or not. But would he have died this specific time without her mm -hmm. probably not mm -hmm. would he have driven to the kmart parking lot that night when he said he was about to go to sleep probably not if he got out of the car even if he got to that extent and he got out of the car he probably wouldn't have carried through with it unless it was for her right but on you know from michelle's perspective and her, the defense they were like there's no law that makes this a crime right in the state of massachusetts i think yeah. there was like eight or 11 states or something where yeah there's not a law yeah for this type of situation because it is pretty unique right um situation so her parents you know formed a legal team and tried to get as many experts as they can in and they basically the defense all lies on her medication really yeah um she was on celesta janelle do you remember she was on some type of ssri yeah okay so There's conrad was on more. prozac they're both you know struggling with their mental health here they're both on antidepressants and it's argued that that is what caused michelle to do this and can you kind of explain this like manic state a little bit it's yeah it's well kinda... some people um there's a certain condition that you can get when you're starting to take ssris and it's very very rare but some people have this reaction where they become kind of manic and they um, enter a state of mania where they have extremely high mood very elevated um inspired creative it's, yeah well sometimes they'll you know stay up for 48 hours straight and yeah. be you know doing a bunch of things and it's yeah a lot of people who experience this will mistake it as oh my antidepressants are working and i'm right. feeling great but that's not how it works and that's, that, yeah i could see how you would think that too yeah and many times when people have you know bipolar disorders and stuff they'll experience those really high highs followed yeah. by really low lows mm -hmm. and so um you know that's not typical with uh ssris but i guess that yeah. some very small percentage of people will have that uh especially when they first start taking it it will it will appear as you know as as a manic episode yeah so that's basically what they argued in court is she was in an intoxicated state yeah. right she was right. out of her mind she barely knew what was going on she was clouded by her medications and that's like totally seems pretty valid yeah, yeah i mean 
it's hard. But, but it's to, very hard. It's hard because where where do you draw the line between you know a mental illness and just somebody's personality or somebody's yes. just right. who somebody is Character at their core? Yeah. Right. How do you? Nobody knows where that line's drawn, right. and you could always you know so many times in other criminal cases mm-hmm. people just like i'm insane plead insanity yeah. just to try to get you right. know a lesser sentence or whatever yeah. or get uh the prosecution yeah. to believe something no, else people totally like, abuse that how do you using know mental health you really don't know if it's you know yeah. the mental illness or a, a character flaw so well it's like i think the biggest thing here for michelle is like it didn't go she didn't do this like convincing him for very long it went from helping him to wanting him to kill himself very quickly and it kind of does show that maybe she was in a manic state maybe she was out of her mind because it seemed out of character for her for the most part yeah so anyway something could have switched in her brain that then went down this dark road with him right and in a way maybe she was kind of living through him in a sense like maybe she was having some of the same thoughts and feelings and maybe she was kind of channeling that through conrad and obviously that didn't end it didn't end up good at all because no. he ended up doing exactly what she told him to do right but but at the end of the day it's like they were both mentally ill they both had yeah. you know were should they shouldn't have been you know right in this type of relationship at all yeah and, and i mean the they argued too that like you know she, even after he she knew that he died i mean he she listened to him die on the phone yeah she was on yeah, the phone she talks about how he was like crying in pain and stuff yeah, like it's crazy it's sick and then she goes from that to like telling you know, uh, asking his mom, where, where is he? Like, you know exactly where the fuck he is. And his sister, he, let me know if you hear anything, blah, blah, blah. Like, and she knows he's gone at that point. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. So, I, I don't think any of, I don't think anybody can, except for them can really understand yeah. how, what that would be like or yeah. how you would deal with that. Or, you know, cause all of our brains are different. That's what's so right. crazy is that you can throw, prescriptions and and antidepressants at people but at the end of the day none of us know how it's going to affect your brain chemistry because all of our brains are different and we all accept these medications differently so who really even knows i mean how does a psychiatrist even know what your brain how your brain's actually reacting to these medications they don't all they know is that there's these general side effects and that that's why people have such bad reactions exactly switch you all the time try to figure it out you know defense says that it was basically side effects of the medication that you know kind of led her down this mm-hmm. this dark rabbit hole with him yeah but then on the other side you know with conrad's family i, th- I think they truly believe that she's just you know kind of an evil person there's a lot of people that believe she's right. just pure evil yeah. and there was malicious intent behind this and that a lot of people have she, sympathy for her too as a kid mm-hmm. who's struggling with an right. eating disorder mental health it's really she's tough. cutting herself and mm-hmm. she's and it does happen this manic state does happen it's not like these medicines affect everyone the same way you can say well i take prozac and it doesn't make me mm-hmm. want to kill someone but like or not kill someone but force someone to do mm-hmm. basically what they argued in court is like she felt like she was doing the right thing she felt like she was helping him because mm-hmm. her mind was so twisted mm-hmm. so i don't know i literally can't come up with a she irritates me to no end i'm so annoyed at all of this but like legally it's tricky it's very tricky there's actually another case it's almost exactly like this that's oh, happening really? right now yeah oh, okay. there's another one that we'll we'll have to look at but yeah it's i think we're going to probably see more of these types of cases in the future yeah and so michelle carter she essentially got sentenced uh two and a half year sentence yeah uh, with five fair. years of probation but i believe she ends up serving 15 months and she's due to get out i think in march or may well march of this, it's supposed to be may year. 5th yeah i don't know if they've changed they it changed they're it looking march, at changing it to march because she's had good behavior yeah. and stuff and she's apparently been a lot of people have sympathy for her now hearing the hbo documentary really showed a different side of her and like the medicines that she was on what she was going mm-hmm. through and i don't know it's it's very it depends on who you are what you think about this and and what you know about mental health and and criminal justice system too totally. like it definitely depends on what you know and what you think. So let us know what you think yep. in the comments below. Yep. And it, and just a last note, they it did lead to Conrad's law, um, which yes. basically makes it so, you know, if you act or uh, in helping or encouraging someone with a known mental illness to commit suicide outside of a physician setting. Yes. Um, you know, you that would crim- you it should face be criminal. It should be criminal. 
action for that. So to take advantage of someone in such a vulnerable state. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, yeah, it's a very controversial case. I so. feel so bad for Conrad's family. I mean, he seemed like a gem of a kid and yeah. it's a real and loss. Maybe he would still be alive if, if they hadn't have even met each other. I mean, who knows? I think there's a good chance. I do too. But yeah, you guys will have to let us know what you guys thought of this, yes. uh, this case. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely a very, very sound off with your opinions. But yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Stay safe. And stay woke. We'll see you guys next time. (laughs)